Are your customers the kind who politely come and go and sometimes leave you little hearts on social media? Or are they actually obsessed with what you do? The difference between an incredible brand and all the others is how they create fans. Welcome to the Brand to Fan Show, where we unpack the phenomenon of fandom and how to cultivate affinity, loyalty, and trust to build more fans so you can future-proof your business. Here's your host, Lauren Teague. My career, much like the Brand of Fan Show's origins, started primarily in sports. But it's no secret that both my career and the thesis of the Brand of Fan approach has gone far beyond sports because I've been able to test this idea of building for fans, not followers, across industries from B2B into B2C, healthcare, higher ed, and so on. When thinking about my contemporaries who have also had sports and entertainment in their background and then have moved beyond that to use their talents and a passion for doing good on behalf of building their own business, working with their own clients, creating their own personal brands, I knew exactly who I wanted to introduce y'all to. I am so excited to have my friend Dana Snyder join us today on the Brand Fan Show. Dana is the founder and CEO of Positive Equation. That's a digital consultancy focused on teaching nonprofits how to transform their online experiences to attract reoccurring donors. Dana is also a digital strategist for nonprofits. She's the podcast host for Missions to Movements, and she's a speaker for purpose-driven entrepreneurs and organizations. She is a lovely person (laughs) and someone I've known since my PGA Tour days um, as we kind of worked on the same projects. And uh, I've just been so inspired from your career. And I'm so happy to have you as a guest on the Brand of Fan Show. I'm super pumped to be here and on your new show. It's so exciting to be here at like the beginnings of it all is very exciting. So I'm thrilled. Thanks for having me. Well, you really were at the beginnings of this show because you extended an invitation to me to see you and some friends, some of your mastermind pals did an event here in Oregon last summer. And I remember watching the five of you on stage and, and listening and thinking, how am I going to do a better job of showing up for the people who I've worked with, consulted for the people that like, I feel that maybe I don't do a great job all the time of. I've kind of continuing through the promise that I've made to them from stage or from the work that we've done together. And that was something that you all really talked about. So this show is truly inspired. I remember leaving, calling my assistant Carrie and saying like, okay, here it is. We're going to do a podcast and here's the idea. <laughs> and, you know, I've always believed that it's not B2B or B2C. It's, it's about being a brand and cultivating fans. And so thank you, Dana, of course, for inspiring me to follow in your footsteps and those of the traveling blazers and give me this. You're a podcast host. How long have you been doing your podcast? I have it literally about a year. Okay. So it's fascinating. And I think what I love about podcasts and as a listener of so many amazing shows, you, there's such an intimacy with a podcast. And the fact that somebody is in your ear for 20, 30, 40 minutes. And I have learned so much over my span of listening to different shows in the business world that I have then taken as action items. And even learning about launching a podcast, being a speaker, running ads, marketing. I think honestly, podcasting is one of my core professional development strategies that I do. But I mean, books, yes, but I think podcasts just as equally. 
Yeah. I, I find it's much easier for me to like travel, be in my car, whatever, pop on a podcast than it is to open one of these lovely books that's yes. on my, uh, and, and nothing against These are all incredible books, mostly written by people I know and love, but it is, I would rather have the conversation. And I think podcasts kind of, you know, creates that for me. Like you said, there's something about hearing somebody's voice that creates that really like intimate moment. And then I'll go like buy their book or join their mastermind or whatever, but you just feel closer to that person innately through a show. So it's super exciting that you've launched yours. Thank you. I'm so excited that you're here. You, so you and I met, we were trying to think about this, like back in 20, was it 2015 or maybe even before that I was at the PGA tour and you were at a digital agency called Omnigon. Yep. Long time ago. A long, long time ago. And then I followed your career. You bounced between sports and entertainment with a digital kind of mindset. But it feels like, you know, now, as I read in the intro, you're you're working kind of for good. You're, you've really found a niche and you're really unpacking that. Even though you cut your teeth in agency life, you know, what what led you to go back into nonprofits? Have you always had kind of an, an innate calling for that? Yeah, I started my career working for a nonprofit straight out of college, doing all sorts of things as one does when you work for a nonprofit, you wear a multitude of hats, but primarily things within like PR digital that I was looking to do. And then when I went to work for the agency world in New York City, like you were talking about, I ended up starting a at the second agency I worked at. So not Omnigon, but the second one was a PR firm. I ended up starting what was called the organization DKC. And so I started DKC Cares, where we worked pro bono with nonprofit clients on PR efforts and digital efforts. And the more I worked with those nonprofits, the more I just wanted to work with them. And at the same time, I read this book that happens to be behind me. It's bright orange called Good is the New Cool, um, written by Afdel Aziz and Bobby Jones. And talking kind of about fandom, which just goes in line with once I was reading the book, it just lit something lit me up. I was just on fire. I was talking to everybody about this book. I was like, these are amazing principles. It was talking about really bringing purpose and into the space when purpose now I think is such a buzzword word, but it wasn't really at the time and the intersection of brand and purpose and influencers and nonprofits. And how does this whole ecosystem work together? And I was fascinated by it. And my boss knew that I was Aftel at the time happened to live in New York city. And she's like, Hey, I noticed this guy is actually doing a speaking gig right down the road from our office. Why don't we go check him out one day? So fan of him from the book, fan of him from following on social, showed up to the event, even more of a fan, seeing him speak in person. And then I, months later, quit my job to start my own business. <laughs> Positive equation. And I remember I tweeted him to say, hey, your book led me to quit my job and I'm moving across the country to Los Angeles. And he was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> And he ironically was also moving to Los Angeles. And literally we landed in LA within a week of each other. He was having an event at the Soho house, invited me. It was like a book launch continuation, invited me to that. And we've been pals ever since. And he's going to be on my show shortly too. And it's, I think that's what's so cool about the premise is it was a, I became such a fan of his ideas and then the person. 
and then the connection of the person. And so it continued to like evolve, um, which I think happens with a lot uh, when, when you're a big fan of a brand, they continue that relationship with you continuously or yeah. not. And then you're not a fan anymore or not. And I think that that is a risk. You know, it's something that we haven't talked about yet a lot on this podcast is like, what's the counter effects of fandom, right? Can you fall out of love? Um, my, my nine-year-old son, the bills lost in the playoffs and he's been a bills fan all season. It like, we got home he wrote 30 names of a team down and cut them out of paper, put them in a hat and brought it to me and said, help me pick my new team for next year. And I'm like, buddy, that's not how fandom works. Wow. Does, right. And he's like, yeah. But then he told me later, boy, I added like 10 more bills to the hat <laughs> so that the chances were that I was going to, you know, pick the bills again. So we like loaded it for his. I company. love his logic. That's I great. Mean, so I think that you're right. Like you can fall out of um, fandom, but the best brands, the best you know people show up consistently. Yep. They're helping people on kind of that journey. I started to refer to this as kind of a pond ripple. Like you throw one rock, it makes a big splash. Splash kind of dies out. You throw a handful of pebbles. Now all these ripples start to intersect. Mm-hmm. And it feels like that you just made that clear. Like I, I read the book, I followed the person. I saw the person, all of these things make different kind of levels of connection. And every time you can make an emotional connection, a physical connection, you can share that with somebody else and your ripples start to intersect. I feel like that is really where like the, the momentum of fandom can, can really take over. Yeah. And I think when it's, I think the biggest example of this that continues fandom to grow is it could be with a brand or it could be with a person who is a brand when they care. And I think that is one of the greatest surprise and delight moments when you actually get a message back from the person or it's an audio message on Instagram, or I sent out a bunch of um, branded missions to movements, sweatshirts to my podcast guests and sponsors last year. Totally. They didn't know that was going to happen with a personalized Christmas card. When you do little things like that, that are outside of the norm, that continues to cultivate that fan, Mm -hmm. right? And grow that relationship. So I think in the case of, I mean, Aftel in my personal story was, he invited me to his home in Venice to like whiteboard my business. He didn't have to do that. He gets paid $20,000 for speaking. Like there was no reason for little old Dana when I was just starting my business, I was literally just starting for him to help me, but he did. He was like, I see something in you. You took an interest in what I'm doing and have the similar passion and like values. And I think that's in that continuation of now to this day, right? I've been in business six years. He's going to be on my podcast. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a cool like partnership that can continue to grow. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. And I have been so inspired because you, it feels like you, you've been crystal clear on that piece of it, of, of kind of using your talents for good, reaching out and and helping, and then being able to like, go do that part. And so you built not just a business, but now you're really building a personal brand from that. So what have you taken from what you teach and, and been able to apply that? Have you seen, you know, 
have you heard from people who now consider you to be their after? Yeah, which is so funny. Yeah, it's interesting when, so I do far less consulting. I don't do any retainer work anymore. It's my business completely changed into a podcast host, a speaker, which we have very in common yes. um, courses, more of the one-to-many versus one-to-one to try and teach to as many as possible. I teach mostly on paid social media ads and building monthly giving programs for nonprofits. And it's been so interesting to see the switch of when somebody does get on a call with me, like, I listened to your show. I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity or something. And I'm like, okay, you're being silly, <laughs> but thank you. It's like, I can understand that because I would have the same effect of talking to quote unquote, like one of my idols yeah. But yeah, to be able to pay it forward. And I think that's also that continues the kindness. If I receive an email from someone and they're asking, can I have some of your time for X, Y, and Z? And if it's somebody who's obviously done their research and I can actually be helpful to them and I'm the right person, I'm remembering the Aftel moments to say, sure, like let's schedule time to jump on a call because I know how beneficial that was for me. Um, and if I can shed any amount of wisdom or help, I'm happy to do it. Yeah. I'm definitely aligned with you on that. And that, you know, transitioning from a one-to-one to to a one-to-many, it's almost like being less available, more accessible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and that is a definitely a business shift for creators and people who are, you know, kind of where they have a small business, they have a small agency and then looking to do that. Um, I think that is, really fascinating. It's definitely a place where I've kind of been straddling the last couple of years is, is that piece of it of like, how can I give away what I know at scale? Yes. Um, in a way that benefits the most people, because I, I don't have as much time. I didn't um, nearly focus on thought leadership or personal branding when I was running a retainer based business. I think you're just like, so in the constant grind Um, now I'm way more proactive on, especially a LinkedIn presence on video content on my podcast. Right. And I think those two elements video and audio allow you to have more of that intimacy and build more of that connection with people versus just, um, copy maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's allowed me to, I think I about in 2020 is when I really did the switch And it was obviously with a ton of virtual events at the time, but I had an email list of maybe 200 people, right? And it was kind of like friends (laughs) and like some colleagues. And now that's 10K and it's wild to see that growth, but it's it's, I've been so diligent at literally what you're saying of more of the one-to-many and building more of a personal brand to allow that to happen. And at the same time, you're still building the things that you that you want to take forward. Um, you're you're building a business just in a total way. You dropped the word idol, and so I'm just gonna like pull that because you know where I'm going with this. You did a little bit of a stint at American Idol, and uh, and I think you were behind the scenes doing some digital or social media production. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, I was a digital producer for the show. Yeah. So, what did you find to be true about? putting like the humans and telling the human stories from American Idol. And have you taken anything from that time? Cause I think you were there for a season that, that you're like, Oh, I can teach this or I can implement it, you know, now in this new life. Well, that's what that, I mean, that whole show is about personal stories, 
the reason why they do the town, like the the hometowns and travel to the local cities is because it's telling a bigger story than just the fact of, oh, hey, I appear, I arrive on a set and here you go. I'm going to sing for you. They really immerse you in the backstory of the person so that you get invested with them, right? To follow them along their journey and become a fan. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, like super fans, these, I mean, we see it all the time for their, we were in charge of getting their social accounts verified and they go from friends and family following them a thousand people to millions, right? Potentially. So to see that growth is always wild. Yeah. There, I mean, there's so many lessons and takeaways from different tests of content that we did, but it was always when you were able to showcase the personality of the contestant or the judge that you saw something kind of explode mm-hmm. or go quote unquote viral. Um, when you were able to do something humorous, played really well. And again, still just playing on the personalities of who they are was always seemed to be successful. You're listening to Brand to Fan with Lauren Teague. More after this. Getting video from your phone into socials just isn't as easy as we'd like it to be. That's why I've started to use Pictory.ai. It's a powerful AI technology that allows you to create and edit and brand and share incredible videos that start either with the text of a copy that you have or video from your phone or out of Zoom. I use Pictory.ai to create all of the shareable social media videos for the Brand Fan Show. I totally recommend that you try it out. And I've got a special link for you to do so. Go to lauren.click slash make a video and create your first shareable video on Pictory.ai. That link is lauren.click slash make a video. Now back to Brand to Fan. Here's Lauren Teague. And American Idol is a brand has built a brand around showcasing the personality. And I use this example in a lot of my talks when I'm, when, when I talk about marketing kind of does two things, you get attention, you build affinity. I go back to when American Idol was one of the, was the biggest show on television. Like I was in high school and it was number one or number two, uh, every week for like seven years when it was on TV. Yeah. And that was back before cord cutting. Like people actually watched network TV and right? voted and that voted. was the start of like SMS voting with your phone. Exactly. And so, but what, what I asked the audience and I'm giving it away, but I, I asked the audiences I speak with and I say, okay, can you name more than two? Like, just tell me three winners from the first seven seasons when we all paid attention. And then I say, oh, and I know this is hard. I'll give you Kelly Clarkson, Carrie Underwood, which is the only two that anybody knows. <laughs> and, and we, I bring it up as a contrast of like, it gets all of this attention, but right. does the impact really stay with us of, right. you know, you're, they do tell the stories, they do unpack it. So you're invested in the moment, but I don't know that they did a great job of building a ton of affinity for people who were on the show for a week at a time or two minutes at a time or 10 weeks at a time. But I remember building a ton of affinity for judges and for the people that were kind of like reoccurring. Right. So right. Uh, it is an example I actually use is, is like, you know, is it attention? Is it affinity? And I think that kind of goes back to, you know, what you've taken on is, can we be fans of nonprofits? Like we can be friends of people. Like how do nonprofits, right. how do other brands that are smaller, like tell the stories of their people? What's impactful? 
Yeah. I mean, I think of course you can. Um, I think that a lot of times plays into, and something that I've been talking a lot more about is developing your personal brand and your thought leadership and how much that weighs when people are thinking about your brand. So I'll just give an example of when I think of Spanx, I think of Sarah Blakely. Mm-hmm. When I think of Charity Water, I think of Scott Harrison and Vic Harrison. When I think, when we think of Amazon, like you can tie a person to the organization and you're almost as invested in that person's success when you really like them. So therefore you want to support them and buy their products. I think the same thing can go with nonprofits. And I think some are doing this, but some could do an even better job of you're either the founder or the spokesperson or whoever is leading the torch and being like the public figure, quote unquote, for your organization. I'm not going to go out and just say, I love, actually, I have a candle. This is actually a funny example. So I invest, I have an IRA with Elevest, which is Sally Krawcheck's business. Okay. So she left Wall Street, started her own like women investing fund. So it's a candle and it says smells like money, which is hilarious. And I became a client of Elevest because I love Sally Krawcheck. Mm-hmm. And I heard her speak and I've heard her on podcasts. And therefore I am investing my literal money with her company. I think that's where it comes into play. And, and then it's same thing with what I think Adam um, is doing such a great job. The, I think he's like the CEO of Instagram. Yeah. Adam was sorry. Yeah. 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 Um, I was like, is that his technical title? <laughs> <laughs> I think he does such a great job on Instagram of posting those videos all the time, giving us updates. So I am now thinking when I think of Instagram, I literally see his face. Sure. So with nonprofits, I think there's a lot of power to amplify missions. If you can find that person that can really like create that fan base for you, for the brand. Mm -hmm. It's such a departure from uh, back in the day. I think uh, you were right there at the beginnings of kind of the social media, the content piece um, as was I, and as the, like literally the first person to tweet and to post on social media for professional golf, like I, I kind of came up in that route. I remember getting scolded, reprimanded for on my own personal network saying, I'm going to go like, who do you, who should I go follow today as like at PGA tour? And just the like the repercussions internally of like, it's not about you. It's about the brand. Like you're not bigger. Like, and I was like, these are like my, I put it out to my family, you know, and I was so confused yeah. because it didn't feel natural. And I think, you know, I also, and I, I talked about this or in a different episode, but you know, the authenticity of being a 24 year old and the voice of the PGA tour on social media was, yeah. Like, I mean, maybe somebody else, but like, if they were really worried about it, they probably wouldn't have hired me. But I had a lot of fear and nodded in slightly intimidating, nodded up into that. So, but that plus like just kind of the pushback of like, you can't, you can't be you. It's not you. It's, it's us. I get it, but it has also emotionally scarred me (laughs) Um, (laughs) as, as the world has shifted as, as social and content has shifted and it it is about brand and storytelling and putting human faces behind it. I wonder if we missed an opportunity to kind of do both um, that, you know, you can be a fan and you can, and you can tell these stories authentically, no matter what your gender, what your age, you know, in, in a realm like professional golf, 
Um, so I know for me personally, I've shied away from stepping into that spotlight just because of what happened to me so early in my career yeah. and being impressionable. And I wonder if there is a whole generation between kind of the, the ones who have kind of come up living their lives online and the ones who are like so far removed that they don't want to be doing that. There is this like millennial Gen X middle where like most of us, a lot of us are small business owners. A lot of us are right. to like find our way in here and maybe they're running, you know, whether you're running a nonprofit or you're contributing in, in some sort of way, or even just being a, you know, a board member on a local charity that to put those stories out there, doesn't feel necessarily comfortable. And that's so interesting. So I, I wrote a new keynote at the end of last year called your story matters too. And it's on this exact topic of it's, it's kind of my comical journey of becoming an entrepreneur and my ups and downs and how I got there and basically saying it's on personal branding and it's on how do you develop your thought leadership and to remove, how do we remove imposter syndrome? And a lot of it is a comparison game. And how do we remove those kind of self doubts to believe that, oh, my story actually matters. Like somebody would want to hear this because for the longest time, I never thought I would speak on this stage. I would go to these events and be like, those people are so impressive. I don't have like that title. How am I ever going to be there? Right. That's kind of the, I think a lot of people have that narrative. How do you move that narrative off to the side and start to believe that your story matters? And then it's, okay, what is the story that I'm telling? What are those nuggets? And then how can I distribute that into the world for the people that need to hear it? And so I think that's literally to your point. Um, I think it's just breaking that down. And that is for the most senior of people get so either confused or intimidated or unsure of what to share, where to share it. There's just, and you second guess yourself. And I think something, um, I forget who I was, I was just talking to this with a, with a colleague of mine, Tanya, and it's almost like, we're afraid to say those little like rebel like statements, but those are the things that I posted actually recently on LinkedIn where I thought it's a little controversial. And I talked about why is there not more mergers and acquisitions in the nonprofit sector when if our whole goal is to remove these massive issues from the world and we have a thousand different water causes, why are we not working together? Why are more nonprofits being created versus combining together. And so it started this huge discussion. And part of it was about ego of leaders. And so, but I was like, okay, sometimes the things that make you a little bit nervous to hit publish are what you should hit publish on. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I think that's true for everybody. Right. And like, I mean, if you are a huge brand, there's probably some steps and layers and things that like, but even still, we've seen a lot more humanization of the large brands being being willing to kind of do that to the yeah. thing that makes you nervous might be the thing that you want to push publish on, even if you have to run it by a few people first. Yep. Yeah. And that might be the thing that draws in a ton of, if it's people who are kind of like, oh, I, li- I like you. It might take them to the next level to be a super fan. Or we've seen in other cases where you say something and they don't agree. And it's like, then those aren't your people. And to not be afraid to lose those people. Yeah. Is it something that when you're working with people or, or questions that you're getting for the podcast, that kind of thing, are they really, is it still really focused on social media? Are people 
that you work with, are they focused on how to crack a social media net? Because I think you and I both agree that what we knew as social um, has drastically changed in the last, in 2022, especially, I think it feels like those things really blew up. What are you seeing for your clients and the people that you talk to that they need to know? Like, what are you still battling those misconceptions and trying to, to teach them to think about differently, to tell these stories effectively, to reach the people they really are trying to reach? Yeah. Super interesting question. So on right, the, my main two buckets that I like stay within is the paid ad space, which I think is really interesting. I'll like start there when you're talking about your attention to affinity, because I think paid, there's a lot of misnomers. There's a lot of myths around it, but it's really helping you get both. I literally have a course that's visible reach in a week and it is for a one to $3 a day budget. I'm talking about super low cost because that's possible. You can reach substantially a lot of people with Facebook and Instagram ads with a low amount of money for like a video view campaign or a reach campaign just to get visibility, just to sort of get the attention. And then there's specific campaigns that you can run to grow for um, affinity for more of that conversion or just remaining top of mind all the time. So, I mean, I think one of the biggest things I would say is don't be afraid to test those kinds of things. There's, I think we get depleted when we see, and I have this happen all the time. I haven't, this happened recently. I was running an ad campaign and it bombed. It did so bad. And so then I look at it and I say, okay, well, let's play detective here and let's look at the metrics. So part of my job is to explain how to be detective, right? What do the metrics mean? So that I can look at it and say, oh, this ad had a really high click-through rate. The ad worked, but where I'm directing them to, the website didn't work. So that's what I need to fix or vice versa, right? Um, on the on the other side of work that I do, my Missions to Movements Mastermind is building monthly giving programs. Very same thing, which I love your attention and affinity because if you don't have a solid brand around a monthly giving program and name, your branding, and when I say name, like something that people can say <laughs> and remember that's unique to you, do you have like, I go to, in this really in-depth process of an online donation audit. Is it difficult to donate on your site? Is there a lot of friction taking place there? Who are you talking to right on the site? Is your language complicated? Is it really broad? And I don't really understand where my funds are going. There's so many elements that go into play there. And then with affinity specifically in, well, I was gonna say nonprofit, but that's not the case at all. It's any single brand deals with retention. And, but nonprofits in particular, if you don't have a monthly giving program, monthly giving usually has 80 to a 90% retention rate, which is fantastic. But you have to work for that. If somebody signs up to be a monthly donor versus the same thing, if I bought a candle, are you going to email me ever again? Are you going to retarget me with a social ad ever again? Are you going to send me a card in the mail and say, thank you? Like, are you, whatever, am I part of an SMS campaign? So I think it's, we spend so much time on the attention and so much budget on the attention. And then we get all these people and then it kind of is a little crumbly as to Mm -hmm. how are we going to exactly retain them? And then we worry when we're like, oh, we need to fill the funnel, fill the funnel, fill the funnel. (laughs) But what if you didn't have to fill the funnel all the time? 
Right. It's cheaper to keep the customers that you have, to keep the donors, Absolutely. the members, to keep the attention that you have. It is actually cheaper to do that than go get new, go fill yeah. that funnel, go get new, go get new. And I love that. I love that you actually have a way to, to spend one to $3 a day to kind of keep yes. that awareness going. And then but that focus is really on creating those, you know, those moments of affinity to build those connections, because it doesn't always have to be a, you know, you don't have to put out the Sarah McLaughlin songs to like, you know, to make a quote unquote emotional connection. We as humans respond to entertainment. We respond to information. We respond to explanation or exposition. So it doesn't have to be emotional, like sob story to be effective. No, or humor. Right. Right. Like there's, so the, the great thing about visible reach in a week is I share three different pieces of content and you kind of pulled out a bunch of those. It's how can you showcase your credibility? How can you showcase your thought leadership with some video content and how can you showcase your impact and your value? So are you, can you teach, um, what can you show as an impact result and where have you been credible? Have you been on podcasts? Have you been featured in something, whatever, And those are three different types of content. You can see how people react to that, but it's just you being top of mind. So the next time, if I was to see a Facebook post from you and it was a video and you were just teaching something for a minute and 30 seconds, I was like, wow, that that was really insightful. And then the next time I'm thinking about, let's just say I'm a booker, right? No, you know, I'm looking to book somebody. You know who I saw the other day? She just came across my Facebook feed. It was Lauren. (laughs) I'm going to book Lauren. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's like, that's the whole premise of it is how can you remain top of mind? So the next time somebody's thinking of volunteering or donating or booking or buying whatever it is, naturally, you're going to come up in their mind because they saw you. You're listening to Brand to Fan with Lauren Teague. More after this. As you're out in the world listening to the Brand to Fan show, look up and start to count the number of team hats, t-shirts, pullovers, and jerseys you see. Once you start to see them, sports logos and team colors are seemingly everywhere. Well, this is exactly why I decided to build FanWagon, the web's re-commerce marketplace for buying, discovering, and reselling your sports fanware, be it vintage or just last season's jersey. FanWagon aims to serve both buyers and sellers at the intersection of sustainability and fandom and create a personalized and easy experience for second fan fashion. I'd love for you to go check it out today at fanwagn.com. That's fanwagon.com. I'll see you there. Now back to brand to fan. Here's Lauren Teague. I've actually made a new New Year's Eve game or tradition out of like, Hey, let's take a thousand dollars, you know, like, like it literally like eight o'clock on New Year's Eve. And like, where do we want to put it? Right. Like what kind of good can we do? Or like, and sure. Like your end tax write off is a really nice thing, but it's kind of fun to be thinking about with my husband, or I might ask the kids, like, where should we, who should we support? Who needs, you know, who needs a little Mm -hmm. bit of love at the end of the year? And, you know, I mean, this obviously could be done quarterly or whatever, but I just feel like the last few New Year's Eves, it's just kind of been like a thing that we're not going out anymore. We're old. So uh, doing that. <laughs> but I think that's right. Right. Because then you're thinking about like, well, who do I really like? 
Who have I been following? Mm -hmm. Which stories have like really impacted me? And then like in that time, just like, boom, like top of mind, where can I spend a thousand dollars and like do the most good across my community or for people that I love? And so it really speaks to that, like both, you need both. You need to be like a little bit of nudge to remember, but also that storytelling and seeing the impact of dollars across the year, whether it's my local community center or local nonprofits, or, you know, sometimes it's election campaign contributions, things like that. Like, where do I think this little bit is going to make a difference? And it's all about, you know, what has resonated with me through the year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's really, really cool. Dina, we are coming up to uh, the end of our time together because you are a very busy person and I know you've got lots to do and some podcasts to record. We could chat forever. I know we could. I was like, I already was like, oh, I need to, uh, follow up on this, this, and this. Um, but I just wanted to ask you a couple more questions. These questions we ask everybody on the brand of fan show. And, uh, I want to know Dana, what are you a fan of right now? Ooh, what am I a fan of right now? Okay. I am about to go into maternity leave. So (laughs) I am a fan of this incredible website called rebel stork because it's female owned and it is reselling either used or open box baby items. And so for instance, strollers, infant car seats are bananas expensive. And I'm sure you remember this from your time having little ones, but it was crazy. We were looking at things that were over a thousand dollars. We got our car seat and our stroller brand new for $350. And, and what I loved is the owner sends, I mean, I know I'm part of a welcome sequence, but it still felt special. <laughs> the email that they send out afterwards explains her story of like her being a mom and the expenses. And so starting it from, she had all these goods in her garage to now she has like multiple warehouses for this incredible mission to the fact that I took a screenshot of the email and shared it. And then they engaged with me on social. And now I am telling you this whole story <laughs> about this brand. <laughs> Don't you love how this works? And as marketers, we can totally unpack these things. Like you said, I know I'm part of an email welcome sequence. I know it goes to everybody, but I feel like sometimes when you see it and you see it work in the wild, you're just, you tend to celebrate that. Like, Ooh, that was good. Good job. Oh, I can't wait to look up Rebel Stork um, as a CEO of a a marketplace soon to launch. Um, There's a lot of reasons why I need to to check that out. So I can't wait to do that. And even though my children are, in booster seats and forward. Um, I, there's still a ton of people that I know who are having kids and, uh, and still buying baby gifts. Lifesaver, lifesaver. I'm going to go check that out. That's amazing. Okay. Uh, also what is your favorite Jersey or a piece of fanware that's either in your closet now, or you can't believe you got rid of. Uh, so I'm a big UCF fan go Knights. And I had, I had a Jersey that I wore for entirely too long. It was from when Kevin Smith played for UCF, which was way back in the day when I was a freshman in 2007. And I wore it so much and I continue to wear it so much that both of the armpits for like touchdown, like we got holes in them, (laughs) but I wore that Jersey. I just kept wearing like a black shirt underneath, but both of the armpits definitely had holes and I just continued to wear it forever. And I do think I actually got rid of it finally. That's amazing. Because I'm well, sure people were be... like, that girl. <laughs> That's okay. And That's her holy okay. jersey. <laughs> yeah. 
where did you get rid of it? Where, where, where did that go? Oh, that's a great question. I have no idea. I mean, I've moved from lots of times in New York to Los Angeles, now Atlanta. So some things I question actually, where did they go? <laughs> well, when we get you set up on FanWagon and you build your profile, don't forget to put you are a UCF fan. And then I will be on the lookout for yes, Kevin Smith I need more swag for you. So when it hits the website, I'm going to tag it for you. I'm going to send it to you and uh, might be part of a sequence. Who knows? But we'll make sure <laughs> that you get first crack at it on family. Hey, it won't matter because I'll appreciate how customized it feels and personal. Oh man, that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Dana, so much for joining me on the brand to fan show. Dana Snyder is the founder and CEO of Positive Equation and the podcast host for Missions to Movements. Dana, where can we find, follow, learn from you more? Yeah, I would say head over to LinkedIn. That's my jam. So just Dana Snyder on LinkedIn and I'd be happy to chat. Awesome. We will put all these notes in the show notes, show notes page for this and every episode of the Brand of Fan show. And you can find that on brandofan.show is the URL. This is that show, the Brand of Fan show, the podcast that unpacks the phenomenon of fandom to help you build for the future by creating more fans. I'm Lauren Teague and she is Dana Snyder. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review both Brand of Fan and Missions to Movements. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of the Brand of Fan Show. I'm your host, Lauren Teague, marketing speaker, strategist, and the founder of FanWagon. You know, it means a lot to me to spend this time with you. So if you like what you're hearing, I'd love if you could drop me a note at brandtofan at teaguefc.com or message me on Instagram where I'm also teaguefc. If these brand of fan conversations resonate with you and you'd like to share this message with your audience, go to laurenteague.com to find out how I guide businesses and associations to stop chasing shiny objects and instead build for lasting affinity. The Brand Fan Show is produced by Teague FC and supported by FanWagon. Audio production is done by Brian Griggs and video editing done by Garrett Teague. Our producers are Kimberly Voorhees, Ashley Ruiz, and Carrie Hillbush. You can catch up on past episodes and guests and access bonus content by visiting brandtofan.show.